I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Brandon Turner. Uh, probably recognize him if you've done any uh, anything in real estate. Um, Brandon Turner is the founder and managing member of Open Door Capital, best-selling real estate author with over a million copies sold and past host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Um, I'm gonna stop there, Brandon, because I do think probably the majority of people listening do know you. And I think actually the, the better way to do this is to, to let you kind of tell your story. But first of all, yeah, sure. thank you so much for taking the time out today. I really appreciate it. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's going to be a ton of fun today. I'm excited. Yeah, I like your show's you. premise quite a bit. So you've, awesome. uh, you've got a good thing going. Thank you very much. Yet yeah, tell for anybody who doesn't know, maybe just give, give them a little bit about your background. I think, uh, you know, we talked before we started recording, I think a lot of the stuff that'll be fun to talk about today will be, you know, your mindset, your shift in mindset and kind of where you started and, and where you're at in, in terms of uh, real estate at this point. Yeah, man. So if I, if I wanted to like chronicle my journey, I like to look at it in like three phases so far, and there's maybe a fourth phase coming, but uh, phase one was really like my wife and I just realized at a very young age, like we're like 21, that every rental house that we bought or every rental property, every tenant we had, made us a little bit of money. It's like every tenant was like an oil well, drilling oil for us. Every month we were making a little bit of money. Not a lot, but like maybe a hundred bucks per tenant in profit. And so phase one was all about like, well, if we just collected a bunch of rental units, we could quit our jobs and be retired at a young age. So we did that. We like literally just worked our tails off for seven years or six years. And when we were 27 years old, I had enough cash flow coming in to quit my job. And so phase one was all about just collecting rental units in any way I could. I mean, we were hustling as much as we could do. We were finding deals. We were fixing uh, toilets. We were, you know, painting units. We were doing everything. We were bringing in partners, help raise the money because I didn't have any cash. Uh, we were just doing whatever we could do. So phase one was all about the grind of getting financial freedom. And, and the beautiful part about financial freedom, and, and if you've ever played the game Cash Flow uh, from Robert Kiyosaki, uh, the game is like, you, you're in this little rat race, this little tiny circle in the middle of a giant board. But you're, the whole entire game basically takes place in this little circle going round and round and round and round and round. You get your paycheck and you spend money, you make money, you spend money, you make money, you invest money, whatever. But then at some point you win the game and you get out of the rat race, you get financial freedom. And the rest of the board is all super cool things. Like you start a charity or you take an expedition to Antarctica. It's all these cool stuff. And, and the, the thing he's teaching in that game is once you achieve financial freedom, that's when like the next phase of your life begins where you can take risks. You can start bigger businesses. You can move across the country. You can travel. You can spend more time with your family. You can start a charity. So phase one was all about getting financial freedom. Financial freedom. And it wasn't a lot. It was like a three, four grand a month. It was enough to pay the bills. But that allowed me to do phase two, which was to start the Bigger Pockets podcast with Josh Dorkin. And so Josh Dorkin was a friend of mine. He had started Bigger Pockets, the website years earlier. And then uh, 
because I didn't have to have a paycheck, I could take that risk and go and help build a podcast and a, and a website. And so phase two was all about building bigger pockets. And I worked, I grinded a lot then too, and uh, built it into something pretty awesome and big. And uh, I think we have over hundred million downloads on that when I finally left nine years later. And uh, at some point there, I started phase three, which was commercial real estate. So today I buy mobile home parks and apartments, and we have about we're just under 8,000 rental units uh, and we raise money from a bunch of investors and we are trying to buy $10 billion of real estate in the next 10 years. So that's kind of phase three. Awesome. Uh, it, yeah. The, breaking it down that way, I think is, is a really great way to, to framework it for, especially people that are getting started out. Right. And I think to me, one of the key things about it that I think gets lost a lot of times in like, especially in social media where people are, you, you see the highlights, like it's like it, social media is a highlight reel. And it's like, but you, you said six or seven years with your wife, just yeah. <laughs> hustling, doing everything yourselves, all of that nine yep. years of bigger pockets on the podcast. Like, like that's a long time. Right. Uh -huh. And so a lot of people would, might look at what you've, you know, now having, uh, you know, 8,000 commercial units and, you know, working towards $10 billion of real estate. Like people hear that and they're like, crazy. No way I can do that. It, it's just like un, unfathomable. But what when they think that, I think they're missing all of what you just described that leads up to it in that yeah. you, you put in the work, you put in the work, you put in uh, the time, and and then you were able to make that shift. So you you talked about, you know, kind of that shift from, okay, we, we've got to financial freedom. And then you you were able to take the risk on on bigger pockets. Obviously, that growth on the podcast and coupled with your books and all of that stuff that puts you in a good position to move into commercial real estate. I would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, really. If you combine, it's like a math equation, like one, like phase one, which was the grind of real estate and learning how it works, becoming good at it. And then combine that with phase two, which was, the marketing side of life and how to be a good, I don't say leader. It was really more of like how to be, how to market, how to sell, how to uh, get people to know, like, and trust me at scale. So combine those things together and you create phase three, which was, which was the commercial real estate. Cause in order to scale, like really, if you think about real estate, real estate is very simple. It's very simple. You make offers, you analyze deals. It's math game. The only thing you're really limited by is two things, your ambition and your capital. Everything else is a dial. You can just turn up or turn down, right? If you want to buy more houses, make more offers. If you want to buy more houses, buy, make more offers in more markets, hire more people. Like everything's scalable. Everything is scalable when it comes to real estate. And it's just dials you turn up and down. I didn't realize that early on, but I realized that now after interviewing hundreds of like big investors, it's just dials. You turn it up, you turn it down. But the thing that's not is your ambition or your vision, you could call it, and your capital raising. So how do you raise mass amounts of capital? You got to have massive number of people know who you are and like you and trust you. So that's why, yeah, phase one and two led to a successful phase three. Uh, it's just kind of a interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I just... I think it's really important for you to under, people understand the amount of time you put in time and work that you put yeah. into that to getting to phase three. Um, I've heard you tell the story before. I, I think it's an important story. So can you, you don't have to spend a long time. I'm sure you're sick of it, but oh, I will. What got you? Yeah, <laughs> feel free to, I mean, elaborate as much as you want, but the, the amount, the, the story of, you know, kind of 
how you decided to get into commercial real estate. I think it's a good yeah. one for people to kind of understand. Yeah, man. So, you know, phase one, right? I bought all these rental pro rental properties. And then I kind of eased off the gas. We would do a couple things a year, maybe like flip a house once or twice, uh, maybe buy a rental. Uh, we partnered with my in-laws a little bit on a couple of properties. But throughout the whole time I was building bigger pockets, I, I wasn't really doing a lot of real estate uh, for at least the first six years of that. And what happened was I was on stage at a conference. I'm standing up on stage, looking out on about a thousand commercial real estate investors who are like apartment complex owners and you know fund managers and all this. And here I am owning my 30 rental units or whatever, talking to these guys that own thousands of units. And I realized in that moment that I didn't deserve to be on that stage. Like I was there because I could sell tickets to a conference. I was there because I have a good mouth. I can talk and I can hype people up, but I didn't deserve to be on that stage teaching like the best of the best in the real estate investing world. And so what I realized was that I had been coasting. I've been resting on my laurels. I had been taking the easy route. And there's nothing wrong with that about taking time off and relaxing a little bit on that. And I don't regret the years I didn't build my rental portfolio. But what I did decide is I wasn't living to my full potential and I was capable of more. And so that is when I, I left that conference with a mission of I'm going to get into this game and I'm going to deserve to be on this stage. And uh, that's kind of what I then did. I went home and I built a big company because I didn't, it's like I knew deep down, I don't know if I've ever even said this out loud before. What maybe bothered me more than anything is I knew I did not have the skill set to be a member of that audience. Like I knew I wasn't good enough, like a skill set wise. I and it wasn't analyzing deals or making offers. I'm good at that stuff. What I mean is I was not a good leader. I wasn't good at business in general. And uh that's what I decided to set my intentions on doing, and it totally worked. So that's where I'm in today. So yeah, just don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest on your, it's easy right now. So I'm just going to coast through life because so much happiness is derived from growth. It's fun to grow. It's fun to do challenging things and then to accomplish them and to, and to, to win. So yeah. that's, uh, that's where that came from. Yeah. And great point on, on growth. I mean, it's sort of a personal example. Like I'm a veterinary surgeon and I, and I trained a long time to do that. I love doing it, but I also reached a point where it was like, there's not new surgeries for me to learn. Yeah. Right. It's like, I, I'm not going to, yeah. like, yes, I want to be good at it. I want to, you know, stay sharp, but there, there wasn't a lot of growth to be had. And so then, you know, sort of adding real estate into it. Now here's here, this exciting new thing yeah. I can learn and grow in. And so it's, it's for sure, very invigorating. And it's, it is kind of easy to coast and rest on your laurels, mm -hmm. especially if you found a spot that you're successful in. So I, I think all, all really good points. And I, I I guess I would argue you're not qualified to be on the stage. I would argue that's not true, but I understand the point of what you're, what you're getting at there. And it, it brings up a, what I find like an interesting dichotomy in, in the real estate world is that there's like, there are some people that are really good with the marketing, social media being, you know, being seen as a thought leader. And then there are some people that are maybe, really good on the operational side and you don't you don't hear about them right like there's a lot of these companies especially the big ones that have like the face of the company and then you talk to them and then they don't necessarily have like they don't actually do a lot of the day-to-day day-to-day operations yeah. and so you know that that speaks to team building 
but also speaks to the the power of both aspects right because yeah. you're you had built a you were seen as a thought leader and and you know i guess maybe you didn't necessarily at that point weren't saying you're not equipped to to be the operator maybe for a large multifamily but but you have that you know sort of <laughs> leverage and capital amongst people you had interviewed and know and people knowing you to be able to to build the team that you did and in the way that you did um i just think it, it's people really have to realize like find your find your spot and then like surround yourself with others yeah. who can compliment you yeah, you know, there's a great story out there that's to tossed around a lot of business books about Dr. Oz. Uh, and the, guy, the, the doctor on like Oprah, he had a TV show, he had a magazine at like the height of his career. He was like still doing 300 open heart surgeries every year. And the question is like, how could he do that? And it's because he wasn't in there like walking the patient into the room. He wasn't cutting them open even. He wasn't walking into the room afterwards. He wasn't administering the drugs. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was doing one cut, like the thing that he was the best in the world at doing. And he would walk into the room. The person's already opened up. Their heart's sitting there. He does the cut. He does the sew, whatever his thing was, and he leaves. And that's how he was able to do that because he, he knew his value. And that's the thing he was paid to do. And he made a ton of money doing it. So the question I always pose to entrepreneurs today is like, what is that Dr. Oz cut in your life? Like, what is the thing that you actually have to do that you should be doing that you're great at doing that you're uniquely positioned to do, do that thing and then build, bring other people around to do their Dr. Oz cuts. And that's the beauty of a business. So when you get a bunch of people all doing their special cut, like, and everyone's thriving because they're doing what they were put on this earth to do. And they're better than anybody else at doing it. And you're leading them because that's your cut is to lead. And like, man, what a fun adventure business can be when you approach from that standpoint. How, how do you suggest people figure out what their cut is? Because mm, I think that not, not, not everybody knows, right? Like you maybe yeah. if you've been in real estate for a while, you might know, but how, how do you, because I, I feel like, and, and a lot of people I've interviewed on the podcast, it's like, go to figure out where you add value. And, and I think that's kind of the same concept, right? You're talking about your, where, what your cut is. How do you suggest people kind of figure out what, what their value is, what their cut is in that, you know, yeah, in whatever business it is? Yeah, I guess in your in the beginning, most people just kind of do everything, right? You you kind of do it all and you slowly outsource your way out of it. So you bring in other people below you. So like in the beginning, I did everything in my real estate business. I mean, I was everything. Uh, you know, my wife and I. And then like one day I decided to hire my mother-in-law to answer phone calls from tenants. And it changed my life because all of a sudden I didn't have to talk to tenants anymore. And I don't like talking to tenants. I hate it. She's really good at it. Her Dr. Oz cut is talking to tenants, right? And I didn't even like so I guess a, a, for me, it was, what do I hate doing? What do I really not like doing that I'm not good at and somebody else can do, right? And in most things in life, like that's the truth. Like most of what a business person does, somebody else can do it. You probably don't like doing it. And like, you don't even need to, like somebody, the whole thing is just irrelevant if you can find someone else to do it. So like, let's talk like, Finding real estate deals. If you want to go to a real estate example, like, do you have to be the one that actually talks to real estate brokers? Maybe, but maybe not. It's just asking that question. Just by being cognizant of the question will help you dial in what you actually have to do. Now, maybe if you have no cash, you don't have a lot of connections, you don't have a lot of experience, maybe you do have to do a lot of that work. In which case, great, then that's your cut. Analyze deals. Talk to brokers. 
figure out what those things are. But then as soon as possible, try to find somebody else to do them. If, if you want, I mean, again, like you could do all the things yourself. I know, I don't know about you, but I'm just not good at doing everything. Like I, I'm not good at most things. I would rather watch TV or scroll TikTok than, than do work. So as much as I can find other people to do the work, because they're employees and they get paid for it or they're partners and that's their job. They're doing their specialty, the thing they like doing. That's when you're going to see your business grow. So I guess, how do you find your Dr. Oz cut? How do you find the thing you're good at? It's just really trying to figure out what don't you like doing or that you're not good at that somebody else can do better and have them do that. And if you have to give away equity, if you have to JV, if you have to partner, who cares? Volume, like do twice as many deals and give away half your profit. It's the same thing, but you don't have to do the crappy work anymore. I had a guy recently asked me, he was like, well, why do I, he's like, why would I give away, uh, why would I take 10% of my, like, why would I give away 90% of my business uh, and only take 10% and just to do 10 times more? He's like, at the end of the day, it's the same amount of work. I mean, it's the same, I said, it's the same amount of money, right? So if I, like, instead of working 40 hours a week, if I only worked, you know, uh, whatever, if I, if I, if I gave 10 or 90% of my profits away, but I could do uh, you know, 10 times more, it's the same amount of money. And I say, yeah, that's true. But when you give away, when you do 10 times more and give away, you know, 90%, the money might be the same, but the hours are different and the enjoyment is different. I would rather work four hours a week and make the same amount of money because I've got 90% of my profits given away to other people. Am I making sense? That makes sense. Like that's where I would much rather partner and JV and have other people and give equity and all that and just do more because it just means the more people involved, it means the less I have to do of things I don't like. And the more I can do of the things I do like and the few hours I have to work uh, on that. Yeah. And, and I think without doing that, eventually you just can't scale anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah, if you you're like, like I'm going to keep, you know, yep. I, if I'm going to keep all of it, I want to keep all of it myself because I want every every percentage myself. Eventually, that's not going to be sustainable, and you're going to have you know, whatever it is, two, three, five. Maybe you get to ten deals, but but eventually you won't be able to keep going. So, it's with your example and doing it that way and partnering. Now, okay, if I'm if I'm giving away a big chunk, but I am unlimited in how far I can go in sort of total growth. So yeah. I think it's you know. Yes, yeah, so if you're talking about one deal and you're giving away ninety percent, fine. But you're, if you're looking bigger picture and you know you're you're looking to get to to ten billion yeah. and ten, you know that's that's you can't do that without giving up some to to have partners. Yeah, I mean, imagine the guy who says, "Look, I don't want to work with partners. I don't want to let anybody else in. I don't want to work with banks because banks are going to take money. I'm going to save up money for a rental property." And so for ten years, they save up money and they finally save up two hundred thousand dollars and they buy a rental property after ten years. And now they're making money because now they got a rental property that they paid cash for. That's great. It took them 10 years to buy one rental. Like I would rather like use leverage in terms of other people and money and everything. And then buy that, buy five properties your first year and get the same money 10 times faster with less work and less irritation and less headache. Yeah. I'm, I'm just such a big believer in leverage, whether it's people or money or whatever time, like leverage uh, is such a key to doing what you actually want to do with your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. It's sort of a good, I guess, transition. You, you uh, where we met was at the Steve Sims yeah. Speakeasy, and you gave a, a talk on you know working five hours a week. Yeah, and I guess not everybody listening was there, so maybe if you can kind of give that uh, that story, and then I I do have some some questions uh, on that, I think. 
Yes. So really what I was talking about was like mind, like the, the mindset you approach a business, a building a business with. And let me explain that in terms of a story. Like, let's say you want to start a roofing company, right? You want to go and replace roofs because that's, that's actually kind of a cool business, right? Because it's ongoing. People always need it. Recession or not recession. Roof, roofing's a good business. So you want to go start a roofing company. The mindset you have will dictate how you build your roofing company. Our, we all have a different mindset when it comes to entrepreneurship or building something. And so the DIY mindset says, I'm going to go do it myself. I'm going to go like learn how to nail on shingles and take off shingles. And, and I'm going to go to Home Depot and order all the shingles. And I'm going to have it, you know, I'm going to pick it all up in my truck and drive it to the house. I'm going to haul it up on a ladder. I'm going to put it on there. I'm going to get my own customers. I'm going to go door to door. After I do a job, I'm going to go to all the neighbors and say, I can do your roof. And that's fine. If you like that, if you like roofing, if every piece of that sounded like a lot of fun, great. That is a DIY mentality, but there's a limit to how much you can grow. Now, the next mindset, the next uh, kind of level, I call it the project manager. The project manager looks at the idea of starting a, 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 a whatever a roofing business and says, well, I don't want to actually nail the roofs, the, the shingles on. I'm going to hire, you know, John and Bill and Jose. They're going to put the roof on. And I'm going to just make sure they show up. I'm going to go to Home Depot, probably get the shingles delivered. I'm going to hire, I'm going to call up the uh, garbage company, have them bring a dumpster so we can throw all the shingles in the dumpster. So I'm managing the project, but I'm not doing every single thing. And that's cool. If you like project management, it's a great, it's a great way to build a business, but there's a limit and you're still working a lot of hours and you got to make sure when, you know, when Bill shows up 10 minutes late, like you got to yell at him. And then when Jose doesn't show up one day, you got to go fire him. And like, you're still involved, but you're not necessarily nailing shingles. The third level says, no, I'm going to build a company. I'm the COO or I'm a CEO, whatever. I'm like, I'm in charge, right? So I'm going to build a business. I'm going to hire a, a, a person who's going to be in charge of getting me leads on the, on the roofing leads. So he's going to go door to door. I'm going to hire a, a VP, you know, VP of sales. I'm going to hire a VP of, uh, I'm going to hire a project manager to manage the contractors that are actually going to be tearing out the roof. I'm going to hire a finance person to handle the books. And then I'm going to run these people. I am going to meet with them weekly. I'm going to set the vision, the mission. I'm going to, I'm going to give raises. I'm going to give performance reviews. I'm going to lead my team to victory and I'm going to manage them to victory. That's the COO level. So we've got DIY, we've got project manager, we got COO level. But then there's this, four, and again, nothing wrong with that. That's actually the highest level most people ever get to is they're running a business. And it's great, but you're still working a lot of hours, but maybe you get to take more time golfing. Uh, you're not doing quite as much work. You're making more money. It's a good position to be. Most people never get beyond that. But there's a fourth level. And this is what I kind of call like the Richard Branson level. I actually call it the energy. There is an energy to business um, that if you are the energy, you can start a business and build it from the outside looking in. And so Richard Branson owns like 150 companies. He probably doesn't even know half of these companies. He doesn't work in them. He's the energy behind the company. So he can attract talent. He can set big vision on where it's going, but he's not actually involved in any of it. And so he built it from the outside in, or he acquired businesses. That's another way. Another thing that the energy does is they acquire businesses that they're not running. And so any of these work, I mean, again, any of the four work, but the energy is definitely where the most money is. Think of the rock with his tequila or Kylie Jenner with her makeup. Uh, you know, that's where it's so much money. Uh, George Clooney did it with something, right? Matthew McConaughey has something. They all, all yeah. the big people, they have their energy drives the business, but they don't actually work in the business in any part. Uh, but the great thing is about this kind of this framework is that the more you move towards the energy, the more money you make and the fewer hours you work. 
If you look at McDonald's, who's working the most hours? The frontline people. Who's making the most money? The owner. And so, or really the real estate investor who owns the land that the McDonald's is on, right? Like yeah. they're really like the energy, right? So there's like this scale of passivity that goes. And, and here's the cool thing is number one, you don't like, you don't have to start at the beginning. You don't have to start DIY and slowly work your way up. It's mindset. You can shift it like that. You can change it like that. You can choose. I am going to be an energy. I'm going to be the energy behind this, or I'm going to be a COO and I'm going to run this. And then you just approach it from that mindset. Now, how do you get in that mindset? The way that I do it is I ask the question, what, like, you know, remember the bracelets, WWJD back in the nineties were like, what would Jesus do? Like, you know, you're at a party and everyone's smoking weed and they're like, Hey man, you want some weed? You look down at your wrist. You're like, no, cause you, what would Jesus do? Right. It's that concept. Right. But I'm like WWRBD. What would Richard Branson do? What would Elon Musk do? What would David Osborne do? What would like, um, David Green do like what would people who are good architects or at this energies like our, another phrase for energy I call it the architect they design the business so what would the architect or the energy behind the business what do those people do or if you want to be a COO like that level what would they do think of somebody who's amazing at running a business that's not working in it like what would they do so so ask you what would they would do and then hire the person below you if you want to be the energy hire a COO to run your business if you want to be a COO hire project managers and build your team out. And so when you start thinking that way, again, you get to choose what level you go at. Uh, and so make a choice, go in and you, and, and if it fits, like you're going to find, once you find your spot, once you find that you fit in a certain mindset, business goes from being a drag to being an enjoyment. Like you're going to love everything you do because you're finally in the right spot. You're sitting in the right seat on the bus. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It sounds great. Do you, do you think, so I'm just thinking along the lines of what I think, you know, maybe people listening to that and where, where they might find, uh, I don't know if argument's the right word, but just like a, con do you think you could have started Open Door Capital as the energy from that standpoint, had you not already put in yeah. all the time, you know, as a DIY and, and, and then the time at Bigger Pockets? Do you, th do you think like, someone can just start yeah. there. Like I'm the, okay. That sounds awesome. I want to be the energy. I want to be the architect. I'm going to go from there. Do, do you think that's really feasible or you think I, I understand yeah. mindset and I'm all about that, but like from a realistic standpoint, do you think that, that someone could just yeah. start there? I think it's, I think that being any of those categories, there is a skill set that comes with it. Uh, and I think that is it po it is possible to gain the skill set in other ways. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, when I say energy, it's it's almost like a confidence. It's a communication style. It is a, uh, it's a network. Like I have a network. When you have a big network of people, you have an easier time being the energy because you can find good people right. in your world. Now, could I just come to a foreign country that I've never lived in before, not speak the language and not know anything about the industry and just try to be the energy of some business? Can I go over to Japan and start a manufacturing company as energy? I, I, I doubt it, right? Like there, there is some dues you have to pay, but I would argue that you, like most people, if they're, if they're in real estate right now, if they've done a few deals, you could probably jump right to that. At least jump to COO, at least yeah. build a team around you. And people are like, well, I don't have the money to build a team. Well, you can give equity. Like I've, I've said many times, I give away over half my company to my team because I like, I want us all incentivized to go in the same direction. Who cares if I'm giving away half the equity? Like we're going to grow 10 times bigger. Right. And so you can do the same thing if you don't have the money. 
Uh, but the question is, can you inspire people? Can you get people rallied around you? Can you lay out a vision? You know, there's a great book called Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. It's an awesome one. Like re- read about like, how do you, how do you write a vision that your team can get behind? How do you attract people? How do you speak better? I mean, how many times are people like, oh yeah, I would never be good at the energy. I'm like, well, when's the last time you took a course on public speaking? Like that's a piece of it, being able to communicate to your team. So yeah, it, you can't get to any level free. Right. There's a cost to everything, but you don't have to go through all four levels in your business to get to that level. I guess that's how I'd answer that. Yeah. And for sure, I think that's true. I think, you know, you don't, you don't have to touch every level along the way. And I think, and maybe, I guess maybe my, my thought is that not everybody can, not everybody can be the energy. Like, you know what I mean? Like there are probably some people that are, are really good COOs but but the energy and the architect like that's a maybe a it's just a different skill set a different personality type whatever you want to call it it could be but it's also it could be done it could be bought right i mean like let's say like this like let's say you wanted to start let's say you want let's say you want to start a roofing company mm-hmm. like how would you start a roofing company as an architect or as an energy i mean you would probably find somebody who's a really good manager You'd like just in your world, you go to church with them or they, you play golf with this dude. And he's like, he's been a manager at whatever, the local hardware store for 20 years. He's got a lot of connections and he's really good at systems and processes. He loves the book Traction from Gino Wickman. He loves the, he loves systems. And you're like, hey, I've got an idea. I think we can make a million dollars a year each. And here's how I propose we do it. I, I'm going to start a roofing company. I want you to run it for me. I'm going to pay you a salary. And I want you to build a team and I want you to go build it. He'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it, bro. And then he goes and he hires a project manager. The project manager hires four workers. Uh, Your COO, the guy you like, he brings his buddy who does uh, marketing and they get a bunch of leads and you got somebody else who's doing sales and somebody else is doing, you know, finance. And meanwhile, you're not doing anything. Like you, you literally brought the COO to things. So I didn't like what, what skills that does that require? Um, not a lot other than that you laid out a vision and said, Hey, I think we can do this. Let's go. Now the, the bigger question then is like, well, why wouldn't that guy just go do it on his own? Uh, and he might. Uh, and so this is where like in real estate, it's very hard to do what I do. Uh, it's very hard to go and raise capital, which is why the energy is usually one of those people that, that can, that can do something that's hard to do. Uh, but you know, just roofing is not hard to do. Anybody can do roofing, but getting people marching in one order, you read one book like traction and then like you just make your team do that. I think, I think anybody could, could do the energy. They're not necessarily going to be an eccentric or charismatic person, but anybody can hire a COO and tell them where to go and watch them go and lead them there. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I I love that answer. I I genuinely was curious kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah. Because I think you're, I, I, I guess I still think that you specifically have, and and maybe this is what what you have built up over time. This is the you know sort of personal capital that you built in in your career leading up to Open Door Capital, where yeah. you could you people could see you as the energy. Where like maybe in those first couple of years when you're just doing uh, you know your your residential, not just I don't like to yeah. I don't like to discount people doing stuff like that, but sure. but you know kind of the. Um, where you were at that point in your evolution may not have been as 
because I think to be the energy, the architect, you've, you've got to have some level of like be inspirational to people. Yeah, you got to have this confidence. I think that's probably the number one biggest thing is confidence. I didn't have the confidence when I was young to inspire people. I, I should say this. I probably had the confidence in terms of my real estate. Like even as I was just getting started, you know, could I have brought in and inspired somebody? Probably. Could I have hired and inspired Walker, who's my COO right now? Probably not. Like he wasn't going to go leave a six-figure job to go risk right. it on, on me when I was just getting started. Uh, but somebody would have risked it. Somebody working over at Starbucks for 12 bucks an hour probably would have left their job to go and work for me if I was like, if I fired them up. Uh, but I didn't even have, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. This is why I like talking about this topic. Cause like, it's not that everyone needs to be the energy. I just want people to be aware that there are other options like than what you would default to. We all default to usually the DIY. Some people default to a project manager if that's where they came from or a COO, if that's where they came from in a previous career. But know that like you don't have to sit at DIY forever, even if you had to start there. Instead, like ask yourself, like, what would somebody else, like what would Elon Musk do or Richard Branson or Brandon Turner, you know, like what would they do to build this business? And what if I built it from the outside looking in? Or what if I bought a company? I mean, SBA loans are 90% loans. Like you put 10% down, you buy a million dollar roofing company, you are the energy from day one. Like as long, you know, there's skill sets that are required of you. You have to be able to hire a good COO. You have to be able to establish a vision. And those are, those are important skill sets. But you could also, once you know that that is a skill set of a energy, then guess what you're going to be taking classes on? Leadership, public speaking, like uh, confidence, pitching, persuasion, all that. Right. And it, I think you've mentioned it a time or two, just, you know, sort of taking a public speaking class, things like that. But I think it points to a really important aspect in all of this is just education. And yes, so, yes. you know, there's, you, I know you read a ton, you've, you had a podcast, you, you, you know, interviewing guests and, and, and then uh, you have people get, you have coach. I, I know, I'm pretty sure you have coaches, people get coaches. Like it, it's uh, even at that level, at the, at the high level of achieving, or maybe, even more so at a high level of achieving is when people really see the value in coaching and, and kind of that, that education that can continue to push, push you forward and help you develop those skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a big believer. I mean, one of the core values of my company that we establish and we talk about all the time is continual improvement, or we call it relentless improvement. It's like, you can always get better. It drives me nuts. My daughter, one of the things my daughter says drives me nuts all the time. She's so overly confident with everything. She always, she always thinks she's the best at whatever it is she does. Like she's terrible at tennis and she thinks she's like Serena Williams. She's just like, she's, she can't even hit the ball. She's six years old. She can't even hit the ball one time. And I'll say things like, you know, she'll, I'll say, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, you know, she'll be like, I did so good today. I'm like, yeah, you, you did, you did really good. She, and I'm like, you just got to keep practicing. She'll be like, no, I don't. I'm already the best. I'm like, no. <laughs> No, you're not. You're like, and as a parent, I'm like, I'm like, no, you are terrible and you're awful. And I'm glad you're having fun, but like, you can always get better in yeah. everything you do. Every phone call, every conversation, every marketing piece you put out there, every deal you close, everything you could have done better. And so I think that's one thing that made Bigger Pockets podcast so big for so long is me and Josh would end every single episode. Like, after we let the guests go, we'd go, okay, what sucked? Like, let's talk about what sucked. Uh, and we'd be like, oh yeah, I, I didn't really like the way I asked that question or, or I was too much pauses there. or I didn't like the technology broke down. My internet wasn't good enough. And then we'd say, how do we fix it next time? How do we do it better next time? 
So there's like this like mission debriefing sort of feels like you whenever you done with military, when military people do go to a mission, they always come back and they debrief. It's a it's a part of like military culture. You always debrief. Why? To figure out what went wrong and what can you change in your systems to do better next time. And uh, yeah, that's the thing that sets apart successful people almost more than anything is just their continual drive to improve and to never rest upon their laurels and to say, I can do better. I can do better. I can do better no matter how good they did. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. I think, although it sounds like your daughter has the confidence to be uh, the architect or the- Yeah, she might. <laughs> she, she's she's ready to go at a young age. Yeah, she's like, I'm in, I'm the best. I'm there, I'm great. Yeah, like, yeah, no, that, that search for continual improvement, you can always be, I mean, it's, I when I, when I train uh, residents in surgery and we do like, when you fix a fracture, you do something orthopedic, you take a, a post-op x-ray, look at, you know, how it came out, right? So you see, you see with your eyes, but you take an x-ray, make sure everything, we, I would tell them, and I believe this, I don't, don't tell me it's perfect. Even if I did it, yeah. don't tell me it's perfect to, yeah. to find out what's wrong here, because that's how we get better next time. So I think that, you know, applicable, you know, the, the military example, it's all, it's all great. Um, well, Brandon, let me, I'll talk to you all day, but let me let me switch gears so I don't keep you all day, and and we'll um, I'll ask you the questions I ask every guest. Sure, man. Um, I, I'm sure you'll have a fantastic answer to this. But the name of the show is Know Your Why. Um, so first question I ask every guest is is what is your why, and and you know kind of what what drives you for for you know obviously you you were successful and you're getting you know continually more successful. Yeah, man. In the beginning, it was all about financial freedom so I could spend time with my future kids. I didn't have kids, but I wanted kids. And I said, I want freedom to be able to spend time with them. I'm also a big FOMO guy, like the fear of missing out. And so like another thing that drove me was the fear of missing out on travel. Like the world is so big and it's so incredible. I mean, think about like your area you live in, how many little cool things you know about within 20 miles that are just like that nobody would ever know. It's never written in a book maybe even, but you're like, there's so many amazing places all around the world. Like a billion people, you know, there's a billion areas in the world that have amazing things to see. And I like, I wanted to see as much of what I could. And I knew I couldn't with a job. So my why in the beginning was I wanted to be a good father and be there and be present for my future kids. And I wanted to see the world. Now that has shifted a lot. Like today I am there for my kids a lot. In fact, after this call, I'm going to go inside and have lunch with my kids and go hang out for a while. But, um, and the travel thing, I do a lot of it and I will continue to do it. But today it's really elevated to a new spot where today I'm like, okay, I, the kind of the three phases of my career, right? Phase one, which was the DIY, like doing my work myself with my wife. And we built a rental portfolio. Phase two, which was again, the bigger pockets world of marketing. Phase three, which is leadership and growth and scaling a company. Like, how do I use these things to better humanity? And specifically, I'm, I'm passionate about like just the horribleness of human trafficking. And so I'm like, well, how can I use these things to benefit human trafficking initiatives? Uh, and I, I, I'm looking forward to kind of a phase four, the next part of my life, which says, how can I give away, like I'm good at making money. I'm better than most at making money and building business. And I've got these skills. So how do I, how do I generate a billion dollars over my life to give away? And that's kind of my new why. It's like, how can I generate a billion dollars to give away? Uh, to to save a bunch of women and children, uh, I think that's a pretty good. Why that I should never get tired of. Yeah, I I Puzzle. imagine. Un, unfortunately, I mean, well, I hope I'm wrong, but unfortunately, maybe not a not a solvable problem, but something yeah, that can I be know. improved. Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite things about that question and all of the guests I've asked is, it seems like the more 
the more success people have, the more personal success, the more the, the bigger their business grows, the more that impact becomes their why, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like almost everybody's looking for some sort of, you know, time or financial freedom in their personal lives, spend time with kids, that sort of thing. But then when it, people get almost even more passionate about what what's my cause, what's my, you know, yeah. my impact on a, a local or a global level, but it's, I just love, I just love hearing that. And it, I'm not surprised by it anymore, but I, when I started to realize that was kind of what happens, it actually like fired me up. I'm like, awesome. Like, like, like we, I look forward to like that same level of, of, yeah. you know, impact. So very cool. Um, this might be a hard one for you. <laughs> Is there something uh, you can share with us about yourself that uh, most people don't know uh, special skill, a hobby? I, I know you're very mm. well known, so this might be a tricky one. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, what do people not know about me? Uh, so I do jujitsu. A lot of people know that uh, I'm not very good at it. I'm a white belt uh, and I'm just getting started, but I'm trying, uh, but I'm always hurt. I'm always injured. It's because uh, I'm old and breaking. Uh, so I like that. Um, what's something that people don't know about me? You know, I like, I like old school video games. So like I, I like have a Nintendo DS which I don't wow. play except for I I play the like the Nintendo 64 emulator within the the Nintendo DS or whatever it's called. And so I can play like old school games like Mario Kart. So I'm like a huge fan of like Mario. The original Nintendo 64 Mario Kart is the greatest game of all time. So I could play that for hours and never get bored. That's amazing. Mario Kart is, I mean, I don't know which system, the one where you actually have the little wheel. That's, yeah. a, that's a blast. Like it yeah, is really a fun, fun game. And some of those old... Uh, video games were were uh, not technologically advanced, but maybe yeah, but more fun. fun than than what is available now. Um, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, I'm a I'm like a 13 year old girl on Instagram. So beardy Brandon on Instagram, just beard with a Y at the end, beard e Brandon. And uh, I'm on Instagram, also like Twitter, but I don't respond very well there, and TikTok, but I don't respond there very well. But Instagram is kind of my DM system is where I engage people or uh odcfund.com is like my company website so if you have companies questions about the actual real estate deals we do odcfund.com awesome final question brandon what's a piece of advice you would give to someone who is starting out yeah they do are... boring stuff that's easy boring stuff like uh i know i cut you off there but it's such a it's such an important thing almost all success comes down to doing boring repeatable tasks like to lose weight, you just got to eat healthy every day for months and months and months, and you will lose weight. Um, like there's a mindset component to this as well, but really just like, it's, are you doing the boring, repeatable tasks? Are you making the offers? Are you sending the, the lead? Are you getting the leads? Are you driving your neighborhood looking for properties? Like, are you doing the boring stuff? So define the boring stuff, track the boring stuff and get accountability on the boring stuff. Get somebody to say, are you doing a good job? Get a bunch of buddies together, get a coach, whatever define the boring stuff, track it. Are you really doing it and get accountability on it? And you can accomplish literally anything. It's that simple. I love it. I love it. That is uh, <laughs> not often put that way, but I, I, I like it. I like the sentiment. Cause yeah, it's, it's just, there is, there is a lot to success that is pretty boring and repetitive. It's yeah. like doing the right things over and over again. Um, well, Brandon, thank you so much. It's been awesome. Uh, I really appreciate having you on the show. Um, and, and taking the time out and, and sharing your story. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. I appreciate you. Yeah. Awesome. All right, everyone. Uh, I am sure you will love this episode. So please like, rate, and review. Um, and check out Brandon. He shouldn't be hard to find. Look for the beard. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.